Blue Wire. This is the Lottery Podcast on Blue Wire Network. I'm John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. College hoops still about a month away. The good news is the NBA basketball is bouncing. There's always that time from summer league to preseason where there's like not much going on. So preseason is refreshing. It's fun to see the 2019 class get acclimated and see how they look against NBA competition because it's pretty legitimate. I mean, some of these stars, these starting players are playing 20 plus minutes a game. So we get to see how these rookies uh, look against legitimate NBA players. And I got to admit, this class is off to a strong, encouraging start, starting with the number one pick, Zion Williamson, who is, I mean, he's probably been better than advertised. He's averaging 23 a game in 27 minutes on 71% shooting. His last three games, he's shooting over 80% from the floor. I mean, he looks like the same exact dominant presence that he was at Duke against college basketball opponents. I mean, using his, that same mix of power, explosiveness, and quickness, and not needing all that skill. And it's still translating to easy buckets consistently against NBA defenses. And I know coming in, it would be easy to say, oh yeah, well once he faces you know, the, the size and length of NBA opponents, you know, he's going to need some time to catch up. The NBA defenses need to catch up to him. I mean, he's 285, and he is just like a fireball of explosion. I mean, they've never seen players like Zion. Ironically, it's the pros who have to adjust to him. And not only just dominant around the basket, and we saw, by the way, he took it to Rudy Gobert a couple times. And, uh, but, but he's so good at getting to the basket. Um, his handle even looks better than it did at Duke. I know he's got that signature in-and-out dribble to hit those gaps to explode as a driver and get to the hoop. Um, he had a behind-the-back dribble the other day to shake his man. And uh, you know, he may not need a jumper ever, the way Giannis doesn't really need a jumper to be an MVP candidate. And honestly, you know, scouts before the season, some of the ones who were super high on him said his best NBA season will result in an MVP uh, trophy. And I know we're talking about a couple preseason games here, but he's been so effective uh, at 19 years old. I mean, what is he going to look like when he's 27? And maybe he even does have a jump shot. He hit a three in his second game. Um, and I don't expect him to have a jump shot anytime soon. But again, I don't think he's going to need one the way Giannis doesn't need one. Uh, the biggest thing with Zion so far in terms of negatives, and I just wrote an article, check it out on Bleacher Report, highlighting the, the trouble he's had defensively. Now, he's, of course, he's making some plays. He's averaging over two steals or around it. But uh, he's been beat pretty badly a couple times defensively uh, off the dribble against guards when switching. He's been beaten back door. Uh, he's lost his man. Um, you know, Larry Markin and popped out for a couple threes. Now, he's not used to guarding seven-footers who shoot threes, you know, in college. He's going to have some adjustments to make, um, not just being able to rely on his quickness and leaping ability to, to make plays on the ball and to recover. Uh, so he's going to have to improve his defensive IQ and defensive awareness, and that may take the whole season. It may take two. But uh, I think his defensive potential is still intact. He's got that unreal playmaking ability um, to jump passing lanes, um, to, to make blocks around the basket. He's got to resist some of these urges to gamble because he's already got caught gambling uh, you know, a lot of times in these four games, and his team has paid for it defensively. But uh, overall, you got to be very impressed with his start um, and, and feel like he's really on his path to becoming the player everybody thought that he should become coming out of Duke. 
Pelicans also look like, I mean, they got to steal Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You see what he's doing? I mean, he had that monster summer league game, uh, summer league performance, but he has been equally effective in preseason, averaging 15 points on 44% shooting, 42% from three. He's averaging uh, close to five assists per game. And I, I got to say, I mean, I'm jumping the gun here, but he's going to put pressure on Lonzo Ball because if Lonzo Ball isn't delivering and he's still that same eight, nine-point score, I mean, they're going to think about jump-starting that offense with a, a more versatile offensive player. I know Lonzo Ball is a superior passer and maybe one of the best passers in the league. But for one of the key players, a guy who you need to play you know, 30 minutes a game, and that's what you expect from Lonzo Ball when you, when you got him back in that Anthony Davis trade to be a key piece of this rotation, you need a little more firepower. And if his jump shot doesn't make a dramatic improvement, because I don't think he's going to be a, a, an explosive score within 15 feet, um, they might have to turn to Alexander Walker, who's clearly a better shooter, a better scorer right now, and quite frankly, a very underrated passer. Alexander Walker got the chance to play point guard this past season at Virginia Tech when Justin Robinson went down with an injury. And uh, Alexander Walker ended up averaging four assists per game, showing off some impressive playmaking ability, but he's got more space, more freedom. He looks a lot more effective on an NBA floor uh, off the dribble and, and making passes with both hands and, and reading coverage um, as a pick-and-roll facilitator. He just looks better with the NBA spacing and NBA teammates around him. He looks more confident. Um, and, uh, and again, he, he's got, he packs a little more punch offensively than Lonzo does. So you got to wonder, A, if New Orleans will ever start to think about or how long it will take for them to start to think about Alexander Walker as the better option. And you got to wonder if other teams are going to start to inquire from a, a trade perspective. New Orleans you know, has, has one of these two guys are not going to be able to play if, if, if Alexander Walker ends up being the real deal. One of them should be a trade target. One of them should be made available because uh, they're not going to be able to play Drew Holiday Ball and Alexander Walker. Now, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. This might not be till later on in the year or, or next year. And this is only if Alexander Walker continues to improve and Lonzo Ball continues to plateau. But it's something to think about because Alexander Walker looks like the steal of this year's draft. And, uh, and it's carried over from Summer League and now to preseason. And I'm really interested to see uh, how this develops. And I'll admit, uh, he was, I had him ranked in the 20s, Alexander Walker. Um, I questioned his explosiveness, his, his frame, um, whether he would be able to finish against NBA defenders because he was uh, a lot less effective when uh, Virginia Tech moved into ACC conference play than he was to start the season. And uh, stronger guys just knocked him off his path too easily. These are reasons why I didn't love him coming out of college. Obviously, still graded him with the first round uh, grade uh, in the early 20s. But I certainly didn't see this coming, and certainly not this fast. So that's definitely one of the big talking points of preseason Alexander Walker's potential development and how big of a role he ends up playing, uh, not just really this season for New Orleans, but in terms of their whole rebuild. Let's jump to what just happened um, Tuesday night with the Boston Celtics because Carson Edwards hit nine three-pointers. Now, Edwards, if you recall, at the end of college basketball, had a monster NCAA tournament, averaged like 34 a game through four games. He had 28 threes in those four games. Carried over to pre uh, summer league in five games. He had 21 threes in five summer league games. And then just now, in his fourth preseason game, he goes off for eight threes in the quarter and drops 30. And uh, 
I mean, there's a lot of people out there being like, I told you so. You know, you could see it coming a little bit with his ability to just score in bunches. And you know, no matter how tight you play on him, when he's locked in, when he's in the zone, that basket hoop looks like a hula hoop. And, uh, and he could just, you know, go off. And we already saw that. And uh, he could easily play a role this, this year. He's got a monster frame, a, a grown man's frame. I mean, he's undersized. He's not super explosive. But uh, he has, uh, you know, enough weight on his, on his frame that is probably equivalent to some small forwards out there. I'm looking it up now. He's six feet tall, but he's 200 pounds. So uh, obviously more than just the frame. It's his elite shot-making skill off the catch and off the dribble. And there's clearly a, a role out there for a player just like him, even though as a six-footer, he's not going to playmake for others. He's not going to be a, a point guard. But, man, he is uh, that Lou Williams type who could just come off the bench and give you instant offense. And uh, it, it looks like he's going to get the opportunity to do that this year in Boston. Romeo Langford already down um, with a sprained knee. He was the team's first first-round pick at number 14. I think Grant Williams is going to be an immediate contributor and a long-term piece as well. Uh, particularly, Boston needs some help up front. But Edwards is uh, super exciting. And, you know, if Gordon Hayward doesn't come back to be the player he is, and Jason Tatum doesn't make the jump everyone's expecting, and Jalen Brown doesn't make another leap forward, um, they're going to be looking for another spark of offense. And Carson Edwards is putting himself in position to take that role right now. So he's been a lot of fun. We'll see how consistent he can stay with his particular shot selection because it is a high difficulty level. A lot of long pull-ups. But again, when he is in the zone, forget about it, uh, he's going to score. Another guy who's been hot, really hot to start the year, um, to start preseason, actually carried over from Summer League, Tyler Hero, Miami Heat, making a lot of noise in Miami. He averaged 19.5 points in Summer League, and that has carried over to preseason. And not only have the numbers been there for Tyler Hero, but the eye test just says yes. I mean, he is so skilled, not just making shots, and that's his bread and butter. He is a shot maker. He's 8-15 from beyond the arc. He's got picturesque mechanics, but his footwork, his off-the-dribble game, I mean, he's got the step back down. He looks like a veteran. Uh, he can handle it and pick and rolls and, and make, you know, high-level passes. Uh, I mean, it really reminds you of the Devin Booker situation. Devin Booker um, totaled like 11 pick-and-roll and isolation possessions during his one year at Kentucky. And then suddenly he gets to the NBA. He gets the freedom to dominate the ball. We're seeing him, we got to see him do things that he never saw at Kentucky. And we're seeing the same thing with, with Tyler Hero. He did not get many pick-and-roll and isolation possessions to create at Kentucky. And now he is. And he's got a lot more spacing around him. And we're seeing Hero create shots that we didn't see him create at Kentucky, and it's it's building his confidence level. And, um, man, he just looks like he belongs out there. And it looks like Miami has a legitimate stud future shooting guard, no matter how much better shape Deion Waiters is in. The priority is Tyler Hero. And uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he, can, if he becomes the starter this year. Uh, next to Jimmy Butler, the team is going to want shooters around Butler and... Um, Hero is is one of them. Uh, you got to you got to imagine that Hero is uh, generating a lot of optimism, uh, creating a lot of fans within Miami's front office. I know he's got to improve defensively, but uh, he is a fearless type of player, 
and offensively just the type that they could use. Uh, another weapon in that lineup next to Jimmy Butler. Remember, they lost Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow's a nice, you know, versatile piece, but he doesn't pack a lot of firepower. And Hero's the type who could just go off for 20 uh, when he's in the zone and locked in. And uh, he's going to be a fun player to watch in general, but also just to watch develop. We'll see how high his ceiling goes uh, to see if he can follow Devin Booker and become just a, a really talented, skilled three-level scorer. I got to take a minute here to shout out my favorite shipping service, ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the right choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is number one choice from online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. There's no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information, so just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Also, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With the real doctor, you can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire and complete the online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash bluewire for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash bluewire. So right now, the second leading scorer among rookies in preseason is Colby White, Chicago Bulls, averaging 16.8 points per game through four games. And White was always known for his scoring over his decision-making and facilitating. Uh, He plays fast. He's quick off the dribble. He uh, can get hot. I will say, 16.8. 0.8 points per game. He's attempting 15.8 shots. He's only shooting 39.7%, under 35% from three. He's not going to be efficient this upcoming season, and maybe not for a couple. And chances are he's still probably going to be used this year as a spark plug off the bench because Chicago signed Sadoransky, and he is a good player, a better player right now. And I think that the Bulls are going to be looking to really take a step forward in the standings. Zach Levine already talking about being an all-star this year. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. comes back healthy. Uh, Marketing looking to take another step. Otto Porter is just a pretty solid all-around player. So Chicago's going to be looking to take a step forward. They're not going to just give the ball 
um, and let a rookie kind of run the show, particularly one who's had efficiency issues like White. Uh, however, we are seeing his firepower and his ability to just put the ball in the basket and kind of give you more pace. Chicago is one of the slowest teams in the in the league last year, and White is one of the fastest point guards and somebody who just loves to play with pace. So, um, you know, he's showing his ups and downs. He's clearly showing that he can score against NBA defenses. You know, can he do it efficiently? That's what we're going to find out. Uh, and again, I do think he starts the year coming off the bench and playing a spark bug role, playing to his strengths as a scorer. Um, he's only averaging a, a couple assists so far in preseason, uh, actually just 1.2 assists per game. So, you know, again, his his facilitating is, is behind his, his scoring. But Chicago will certainly value his scoring with that sec- second unit. So I'm sure that they're just pleased to see that it's translated from North Carolina to the NBA. It's only been two games for R.J. Barrett, but they've been better than his first two in summer league, he's averaging 16 a game through two preseason games. He plays tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. It's currently Wednesday afternoon. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not really sure what's going to happen there. But so far, so good. Um, he's made four threes in these two games. He's looked pretty comfortable shooting from distance. I mean, that's always been a big thing uh, of Barrett's, his long-distance shooting consistency and, and efficiency. But uh, he's his makes have looked pretty comfortable so far. And he's finding ways to kind of slice and slash to the basket. And he's finishing in tough angles. Um, and uh, he, he's delivered some nice passes. Um, and he's, uh, he's rebounding, you know, the, the way he did uh, in high school and college. Seven boards per game so far. And uh, so far, we're seeing the same type of player that we saw. Which is really, really encouraging. Because for the first couple games in Summer League, he had trouble uh, just handling the ball and creating separation and, and making things happen when pressured. And so um, he looks a lot more comfortable, a lot more confident on the floor through two preseason games. He's starting um, at the at the two-guard spot. Fizdale has talked about putting him on the ball, using him more as a playmaker, and I love that idea. I think that's so important to get him involved on the ball because really his biggest weakness is kind of playing off the ball and just standing around the arc. That's just playing right to his weaknesses as a spot-up shooter. I know I said he made a couple, uh, made four threes so far, but he's certainly better with the ball in his hands um, than he is just uh, waiting for catch-and-shoot opportunities. Um, and so let's see what he does with the ball. Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be back. You know, Frankie Lakina is going to want more touches. Uh, Alfred Payton was like 0 for 9 the last game. I mean, what a waste of a sign he's going to turn out to be. Uh, taking stealing opportunities away from young players who really need those reps, particularly Barrett and Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank. Um, so that's just a mess, and, and you got to assume that eventually uh, Fisdale and the management are going to figure out a way uh, to, to prioritize their young players um, once this team is clearly not making the playoffs. But anyway, back to Barrett. He's, he's off to a good start, looks comfortable, looks confident. He's making shots. He's made some tough finishes. Um, and I think, again, I still think at the end of the season we're going to be talking more about his versatility than his scoring. And he's always been known as a scorer dating back to his days in high school and, and at Duke when he averaged 22 a game. But I think you know, more than anything else during this season, we're going to, talk, to be talking more about his versatility as a, as a playmaker, a passer, a rebounder, also a scorer, but someone who, who's more valuable for his ability to do a lot of uh, different things as opposed to excelling at one thing and being that volume scorer because I don't... I don't think it's going to happen right away for him. 
Chad Culver has looked really good in Minnesota. Now, I was always a big fan of Culver. Um, through most of last year, I actually had him ranked in front of R.J. Barrett. I ended up putting Barrett at three and Culver at four with really not much separating them. But uh, he's looked awfully good under the eye test, uh, creating shots, um, getting to the basket without having difficulty separating, which we kind of saw in the national championship game against DeAndre Hunter. He had some trouble creating separation against Hunter, who's a very tough defender. But uh, he's looked awfully comfortable um, slashing and getting his shot off. And even in the second preseason game, he knocked down four threes. And he's got some things to work out with his mechanics. And he took a big dip backward as a sophomore shooter at Texas Tech down to 30% from downtown. But I think long term, the jump shot is not a major concern. He's got the shot making ability. He's got nice arc. He's just got to smooth out the overall delivery. And uh, to already make four threes in your second preseason game, I think, is a good sign. Otherwise, everything else looks good. He's shooting 47% uh, through four preseason games. And um, inside the arc, again, he just looks the part. He's listed at 6'7 now. He was listed at 6'5 at Texas Tech. Uh, He's going to have a size advantage if he could play that two spot. I still think he's probably going to come off the bench and be a second-unit scorer and let Josh Okoji Okoji play uh, as a defensive specialist in that first unit with Andrew Wiggins and Jeff Teague in between those guys who could use some defensive help. But uh, all signs are are pointing in the right direction for Culver, who I think is eventually going to uh, you know surface as, as Minnesota's number two greatest asset behind Carl Anthony Towns. He is going to um, jump past Andrew Wiggins on their value depth chart, uh, if he hasn't already. I know Wiggins are probably already looking for trade partners if anyone's willing to take back his contract and his overall inefficiency. But it uh, looks like Culver is going to become um, the, the number two cornerstone for Minnesota. And eventually, um, if not right away this year, uh, the Wolves are probably going to be looking for a trade partner for Andrew Wiggins. Another bright spot in preseason has been P.J. Washington. And the Charlotte Hornets don't have many bright spots. I mean, there's not they don't have young guys to get excited about. Their best veteran player and big free agent signing was Terry Rozier, um, which, you know, him as your best player is kind of a scary thought. Miles Bridges has been disappointing in preseason, but P.J. Washington has not. He's been uh, really, really good, and, and you know, he's, he's making 55% of his threes. Obviously, that's not going to keep up, and it's only been four games, but he's shooting uh, awfully comfortably from behind the arc, and this is a new development for him. You know, he only made five threes as a freshman, and then bounced back as a sophomore at Kentucky and had 33. Um, and I know that's not a huge number, but it's a big improvement. And now it's carried over into preseason. Uh, and so that's a really good sign. Um, and he just, again, another guy who just looks the part. He's very skilled inside the arc. He doesn't have that explosiveness to really separate from guys attacking um, or dunking around the basket. But he has great body control, just great all-around polish. Uh, and the fact that he's executing this early without that exciting athleticism it's just another good sign, and, and somebody who I, I'd imagine is going to be playing a, a lot of different positions from the three to the four to the five with his seven-two wingspan. Um, so he, he's a, a really um, one of the, the better storylines I think coming into preseason. That was a very good pick, I believe, for the Charlotte Hornets, who could have went with like higher upside guys like Romeo Langford went you know, number fourteen, and, and maybe they're going to regret not taking Tyler Hero at number 13, but it sure looks like they made a fine decision with P.J. Washington. I think they're right now probably questioning how good of a decision they made in the draft prior um, when they kind of gave up the chance 
to take Shea Gilgis Alexander and instead acquired Miles Bridges, who uh, I'm not really sure what his bread and butter is right now outside of dunking. And uh, if he doesn't make a big jump this year, uh, I think it's time to start sounding the panic alarms. Um, and Malik Monk obviously has been disappointing. So Charlotte is really banking on this draft pick hitting. And uh, again, PJ has uh, created quite a bit of optimism with his inside-outside play. No surprise, John Morant's playmaking is carried over. I've said multiple times, I think he's going to finish top five in the NBA this year in assists. He's averaging 7.7 assists through three games. Um, I mean, his off-the-dribble ability and his vision and passing skills are just elite. I mean, he is just a break-you-down, uh, driving kick, uh, you know, thread-the-needle and pick-and-roll type of setup man. And that's going to be his signature throughout his career. That's what his value is going to revolve around, setting the table for teammates. And, of course, he's going to make a couple of highlight finishes, a highlight dunks uh, throughout his rookie year and throughout his career. Um, the big thing with Morant is, is that jump shot ever going to come around and really give him the scoring ability that he needs to become an all-star? And so far, he hasn't had a three through three preseason games. He's only attempted three total. Um and uh, he's averaging under 10 points per game. But uh, I, I, like I've always said, scouting him, he's going to take a while to develop in terms of his scoring skills. But his passing is going to translate right away. He's going to get a lot of guys involved, in, and um, I believe he'll finish top five in assists this season. All right, let's uh, finish this episode with a little top five mock draft for 2020. I'll be releasing... Um, my first mock draft heading into the season next week. Um, and so let's just give you a sneak preview of what's happening at the top of the board. And uh, to create a mock draft, I pretty much use the Vegas odds for win totals. And the team with the lowest odds will give the number one pick to, and that's the Charlotte Hornets. And um, I, you know, my, my projected right, projections right now say that the Charlotte Hornets are going to end up taking Cole Anthony. And obviously there's the Michael Jordan-North Carolina connection. But I think that by the end of the season, Cole Anthony right now will establish himself as a guy who can help change a franchise's identity. And I think that's what Charlotte needs, an identity change, somebody to take them into a new era. I have Anthony Edwards from Georgia really pretty much on the same level of Cole Anthony in terms of scouting. But I think that Charlotte's going to feel safer about Cole than they do about putting Anthony Edwards on a bad team. Now, number two, Cleveland Cavaliers. I have them taking Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard from Georgia, who, again, I, I have atop my draft board, maybe by a hair, maybe not even by a hair. I think he's, again, pretty much neck and neck with Cole Anthony, and we'll let the season decide um, who rises above who. But uh, Cole, uh, Anthony Edwards at number two, explosive guard, um, skilled shot creator, skilled shooter off the dribble, off the catch. Uh, can he impact winning with his scoring? I think that's what we're going to find out at Georgia, and that's what's going to determine whether or not he's the first pick or somebody who goes 2, 3, 4, 5. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies are projected right now to pick third based on uh, win total odds. And I think right now I'm going to put James Wiseman, uh, Memphis starting center, uh, at, at number three. I know some mocks have him as the number one prospect. He was number one the top most uh, recruiting rankings. Uh, I question his his defensive impact 
and his offensive shot selection, but in terms of talent, it's easy to why easy why to see some people might think he is a number one overall talent, seven one two forty, unbelievable athlete, plays high above the rim, and he's flashed impressive glimpses of of shot creation and perimeter skill, um, along with the defensive potential uh, as a shot blocker, as somebody who moves his feet pretty well. But he's got to build up his defensive IQ uh, and improve his efficiency offensively. Not show everyone um, or not try and prove that he's such a skilled perimeter player, but play more to his strengths as a dominant inside guy with his length, 7'5", wingspan, and his athleticism. Uh, number four, the Phoenix Suns and, and the New York Knicks are tied um, and projected to have 27 and a half wins. Let's say the Phoenix Suns pick at number four. I think they'll take LaMelo Ball if he's there. And LaMelo is playing so well right now overseas. I mean, the bar is, is, is not super high. He's not expected to dominate over there, but you know, just last game. Um, his team got a win. He had 9-5-5. Five, and five. He just uh, gives you a little bit of everything. I think the most impressed I am with him is, well, other than his passing, but it, he's playing He's playing the right way. I mean, he's not playing like the Lomelo ball we saw uh, from Chino Hills uh, and not the one who was taking half-court pull-ups. He's playing the right way. He's getting his teammates involved. He's flashing more than anything else, his playmaking and passing. He's letting the game come to him. Um, he's finishing uh you know, he's, he's not a very strong-looking guy, so there's always questions about his explosiveness and finishing ability, but he's really had some nice finishes inside. He's clearly shifty off the dribble. His jumper hasn't hit consistently, but he's the makes look pretty good, and I think he could still feel good about his shooting potential. So uh, at this point, just looking, I don't think LaMelo Ball drops lower than number four overall, and quite frankly, he could easily go number two, maybe even number one, depending on how the college basketball players Play out, but let's say Phoenix right now um, has a number four pick. Lamelo Ball is there. I think they will uh, easily settle on him and use him as the starting uh, point guard moving forward next to Devin Booker. Um, and at number five, the New York Knicks. Uh, right now, I have Denny Avdia, um, the Israeli who uh, was the MVP of the U20s. I've talked about him a bunch so far in this podcast over the summer. Six eight combo forward. Uh, reminds me a lot of, I'd say, Gallinari. Probably not as good a shooter as Gallinari, but uh, at the same age, a little bit more accomplished, um, a little bit tougher, um, stronger, um, better defensively. Uh, so uh, you know, that's just the type of player that he is. Um, his ceiling is probably a little bit higher, maybe his floor a little bit lower. But uh, Denny Abdi, I think right now, uh, distinguishes himself as that next best guy and of course, take everything here with a grain of salt. College basketball hasn't even started. There's going to be somebody who we didn't foresee. You know, there's going to be a Trey Young. There's going to be uh, somebody who just pops out, out of nowhere. Um, and so, uh, again, take it with a grain of salt. But those are my top five guys right now and how I think the board would play out if the draft order um, works the way the odds say they will and the teams lose as many games as the odds say they will. But um, that'll do it for this week. Uh, I'm going to have more guests on again as we approach college basketball and there's actually games being played. And we can have a more realistic conversation about the 2020 draft. But anyway, thanks for listening. And uh, we will be back next week.